Welcome to No Hope, the podcast. Rewind! Hello. Hello. Everyone. Hello, Scott. Hello, Tim. You're listening to No Hope, the podcast. Outcasts Outcasts in in the the arts. arts. We're so good at that now. <laughs> I mean, almost. Yeah, but it it was that was that was our best so far. Yeah. I think that was one of our better countdowns too. Oh, okay, this is only the what twenty seventh time yeah. we've done this, so this is Saying perfect. Our, We're really our, zipping along. Our first Lear- time at the rodeo, we learn. That's yeah. the thing, you know. We learn from from doing um, sometimes. Well, the last two episodes, yeah, because the last two episodes with Brandy, we knew we had a lot to cover and we didn't hit any Mm -hmm. rewinds. Mm -hmm. Rewind! So we have probably not everything that we said we were going to talk about, but we have quite a few things, right? We do, yeah. We should should, jump right in. Yeah, I'm going to kick it off. You're kicking it off. I'm going to kick it off. Okay. So when we discussed Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, uh, we had some additional questions about costume design. Um, You know, who were the costume designers? And we were curious whether they reused costumes from the original film for the musical, such as the infamous or the famous flip-flop dress. So I did a little little squirreling around on the internet. I found a... uh, Great article from Women's Wear Daily in 2011, um, which was uh, centered around one of the, there were two costume designers, uh, Tim Chappell and Lizzie Gardner. Um, So Gardner and Chappell met back in the 80s uh, when he worked as her costume assistant on the Australian soap opera E Street. I've never heard of that. Have you? No. No. Uh, She says, we were just a couple of crazy naughty naughty kids, she recalls, noting they got pink slipped when on the day of a big wedding scene they left the bridal gown hanging over a light in the actress's trailer. The dress caught fire and burned the trailer down. We're not good in the morning, Gardner deadpans of that slip in judgment. But it was perfect timing because we went to Priscilla. <laughs> um so they were recruited for the film by the writer and director Stephen Elliott, who was a childhood friend of Gardner's. Uh, the costume budget for the film was only $15,000 for the movie wow. versus a million dollars for the Broadway production. Oh, my. We just God. didn't have money, says Gardner. Everything was hot glue gunned together. And since we were shooting the desert, everything fell apart because the glue melted. Some mornings we'd walk into the wardrobe truck. It'd be well over 100 degrees and there'd be a puddle on the floor. <laughs> So, oh my God! Uh, so ultimately, for their work, I think we we mentioned this. Uh, they won, uh, you know, the Academy Award for Best Costume Designer. Um, and she, I didn't remember this. She walked to the podium in a spaghetti strap gown made entirely from American Express gold cards. Two hundred, okay, two hundred and fifty-four yeah. of them. Uh, and yeah. David Letterman joked that it expired during the commercial break. <laughs> Her yeah, dress. I. I remember that. So wait, the, the the same two costume designers did they the did movie the, and the it, stage they production. did the Broadway show. Okay. Yeah, and, and now cool. the Broadway show. I have a few stats. Featured 500 costumes, 261 costume changes, 150 pairs of wow. shoes, 200 hats and headdresses, 72 wigs, the tall of the tallest of which was three feet, and 295 ostrich feathers. Uh, as for the makeup, about 175 tubes of lipstick, 75 pots of eyeshadow, and two pounds of glitter are used every month. Um, 
perhaps the most staggering set of figures involved fake eyelashes. 24 pairs were used for each performance, uh, nine different styles, and the longest measures a sweeping 3.5 inches. Wow. Yeah. We should we should um do a follow-up rewind with that and and compare it to the share show and oh, see yeah, what, totally. like what neck the costume changes were oh for that God. because that had the, I remember there was an article about the yeah, quantity yeah. of costumes and I got to go on a backstage tour um because a, a, a dear friend from Kansas who lives here and was on wardrobe oh. um took us on a backstage tour of the share show. Oh my show. god, that's amazing. Did you get to and meet Stephanie And they were literally store no. Okay, I would have like But she was showing us where they were storing costumes, mm-hmm. which was literally every single. Oh, I'm sure. Look, like I mean, people, every they were square hanging inch. in the yeah. in the stairwells. Yeah, there it's were not like the backstages racks. to Broadway theaters no. are like that big. They're tiny. Yeah, they're that not. that one was that one is extraordinarily small. <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy. Fascinating. So wait, one so more thing. Wait, no, did so they win the Tony? Uh, yes, they did. Okay. Um, and here's the part that actually pertains to our question of like, did they reuse costumes? Um, so oh, much right. of the musical's costumery is uh, lifted straight from the now cult film. The giant lizard costumes, for instance, and the cheerleading outfits for which the oversized pigtails turn into pom-poms. Or the dress made from orange and pink flip-flops, which was our big question. Uh, an idea that came from celebrating these hideous things called thongs, notes Gardner. At the time, you wouldn't be caught dead in a pair of flip-flops. So we wanted to make a joke out of it. Um, and then there are what she calls the Gumby costumes. Costumes, uh, glitzy disco outfits with flared pants inspired by Donna oh, Summer. They, yes, although they Gardner within the desert. Yeah, so although in the, in the Broadway show, Gardner swapped the original '70s afro for kooky poof toppers made from plastic fora, rubber duckies, and other odds and ends that were really cheap and and cheerful um and as for the finale marie antoinette meets sydney opera house gowns which i remember that yeah it was like huge it was like way over the top uh if you can't connect the dots no matter it's just another crazy moment she remarks it's not a game to sit there and try to work out what every costume means it's just meant to be entertainment yeah god that had to be fun to do oh my god just, totally like what a fun just... gig <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like please yeah. make it make it as outrageous as possible. Yeah, and that they, you know, it seems like their budget was like practically carte blanche for the for the Broadway production. That's amazing, though, that that's how little they spent for the. Film. I know, right? I mean, that's and, like, really put crazy. things together that were that you know elaborate. Yeah, <laughs> it's very and that they impressive. won the fucking mm-hmm. Tony for, for like, on fifteen thousand dollars of like glue gunning shit in the middle of the desert. <laughs> That's insane. That's oh, awesome. she. Actually, I looked up some of their credits, and like she in particular uh, seems like a totally like fascinating, like cool person. She also worked on some films like Bound. Do you remember that Jennifer Tilly film? Yeah. Yes, yeah. that was the first. That was the Wachowski brothers, mm-hmm. and then some like you know more like mainstream Hollywood movies. But after this one, I wanted to really quickly mention was after uh, Priscilla. She worked on Welcome to Whoop Whoop. Have you heard of that movie? I've never actually seen it, but it's also a Stephen Elliott comedy from 1997. No. I knew the soundtrack because it's like really bizarre, like people covering, in many cases, a lot of musical theater songs. So Real Big Fish, that band uh, from the 90s, is uh, covers There's Nothing Like a Dame. Uh, Bally High is covered by Mood Swings and Nana Cherry. Uh, and then Robin S., who's a disco diva, you might remember, covers You'll Never Walk yeah. Alone. Walk on, walk on 
and yeah, it's I like really, I mean, it's like gays will dance to anything type situation. And then I think the last track is a Junior Vasquez dance remix of "Climb Every Mountain." Oh my god! <laughs> Which I'm like, we made it to do insert like some audio because I was listening to oh it my god. yesterday and like getting a pretty fucking big chuckle out of it. So I have a few more, if, okay. if I can still, you know, hijack this part of the rewind. Uh, in the Brandy discussion, uh, we talked about, we were wondering who the bass was from the uh, Joan Armitrading song, Love and Affection, uh, because she was like, oh, he oh, yeah, was also yeah, yeah, an actor yeah, yeah. that I worked with on The Wire. Uh, his name is Peter Clark, uh, known professionally as Clark Peters. Uh, an American actor, singer, writer, and director. He had leading roles in two David Simon HBO dramas, uh, portraying Detective Lester Freeman in The Wire and Albert Big Chief Lambreau in Treme. Am I saying that wrong? I'm not familiar with Treme. That Treme. Okay. Treme. This is like my La Chanzi moment. I, I didn't. Yeah. It was not fully. Hey, we're here for each we're other. Here. We're here for each <laughs> other. Between our <laughs> two brains, we have like one functioning brain. Uh, but yes, in, in his bio, it was also noted that he worked as a backing vocalist in London during the 1970s. Uh, in addition to the love and affection, he's also uh, sings background, and you can hear him on Heat Waves Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. Yeah. Oh Got yeah. To keep okay. on dancing. Like that's him. Okay. That's amazing. It's fun, right? Treme is another David Simon project. Yeah, no, I, I did yeah, say yeah. that. Did you say I that? Just, yeah, I just. Oh shit! I'm sorry. I, I totally I must have like. Name. Okay. All right. Okay. I feel a little better then. Got it. You're seeing. Got it. I lot of. I often um, tell Tim that he's turning into Still Alice. Uh, that I, film. I, the... It's it's really possible. <laughs> it's really possible. The next time that I pee myself and don't uh, know, that's gonna be that's gonna be the real we're working on kicker. Still Alice the musical. <laughs> can you imagine? Uh, <laughs> that's gonna be a hit <laughs> that's exactly that such a no hope for us really we something should, that we would probably spend seven need, years working on like, we need to talk to busy about that the next time we have her on be like so we're scrapping the mary kay letourneau musical for a few more years but we've got another one that we want to spend like multiple years working on Oh my goodness! Um, oh, okay. Wow. Okay. So where do you go from Still Alice the musical? Uh, it also in the Brandy discussion, we were uh, muddling over Cats, like just like when did it run? And then I had f totally forgotten there was that revival. 
Well, so, which is ridiculous uh, because yeah. I remember talking about that revival because <laughs> Leona Lewis, yeah. who I really love, yeah. was in the I revival know. in London, and then it transferred, but she didn't come with it. No, right? no, no, she came here. It was oh. it was that Nicole so Scherzinger. Why I didn't remember okay, that. No, Nicole Scherzinger from the Pussycat Dolls was in it in London, and she was supposed to come with the production here, but then she like backed oh. out at the last minute, and so they brought Leona Lewis. Uh, and then somebody came in after Leona, uh, yeah, which I don't remember. But um, I was like kind of tempted to see it because of. Leona. I know, oh, I was because of Leona yeah. Lewis, and that's yeah. why I was. In, when I listened back to that episode, I was like, "Why didn't I remember that?" Because I remember yeah. talking about that with you yeah. about the fact that Leona Lewis was going <laughs> to sing "Memory," and it might be worth sitting oh, through that horrible I mean, if I had thing gotten, just like, to see if it. I'd gotten like a free or like twenty dollar ticket, maybe, but. Uh, anyway, I don't know. Also, I'm like, she's like 10, like her being Grisabella, but I guess that's what stage makeup is for. Oh, well, so that revival ran from July 31st, 2016 through December 30th, 2017, after 16 previews and 593 performances. Um, the original debuted on October 7th, 1982, of course, at the, oh at the Winter Garden. Um, and then it closed on September 10th, 2000, after 15 uh, oh previews and 7,485 performances. So, yeah, I do remember that it was oh, still yeah. open when oh, yeah. I like, was like first you know, spending in New York. And when I first visited New York, when I was 24, Mm -hmm. I think it was, that was, that was what I thought winter garden was. Oh yeah. I mean, it was for what, 18 years. Synonymous. Like, you knew that cats was at the winter garden. You'd walk by past it like all the freaking time. Cause it's a theater. I've ever been to that theater actually. In the middle of, uh, I have, I don't remember what I've seen there, but I definitely have. Cause I was like, Oh, the winter garden. Uh, but yeah, it's like smack dab in the middle of Times Square. Um, anywho, uh, moving on to the next rewind, uh, Aspects of Love, Brandy's Hate musical. Uh, I muddled over whether Michael Ball, uh, who's like the male lead of the show, was in the Broadway version. And I was reasonably certain. But yes, he played Alex in Aspects of Love, both in London and New York. Um, I was looking up his bio a little bit because I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember. Prior to Aspects, he appeared as Marius in the original London cast of Les Mis, but not on Broadway, however. Um, And Raoul in the second casting of Phantom. Uh, This is interesting. In 2005, with 10 days notice, he replaced Michael Crawford as Count Fosco in The Woman in White, which you may know is another terrible Andrew Lloyd Webber show. Uh, This was after poor health forced Crawford to give up the role. Uh, that show transferred to Broadway, and uh, Michael Ball came with it in November twenty. Uh, I'm sorry, November two thousand five. Uh, he was, however, forced to leave the show because of a viral infection supposedly caused by the fat suit required for the role. What <laughs> exactly? Oh my god! I was like, I have some follow up questions about that. That is crazy. Oh I, I don't god. know who this Michael Ball is. All I know is that Michael Ball, the person was that sings, a, love changes. Everything. Was a um, 
was a grad school boyfriend oh. and he wasn't at all he was straight and and uh but he played romeo in my oh. tiny production of romeo and juliet my lab production of romeo and juliet and my friend lonnie played um juliet did you you have it tell you did you have a crush on michael Paul? i did have a crush on him okay. yeah so it's like triggering yeah. you every time i say it's triggering me i'm like I, yeah i've never heard i've never heard of huh. michael ball yeah. he, we called him mike ball but i'm sure his name was really michael. you know so he was like a 90s you know british mega musical go-to actor basically that's okay. what we're saying okay. here um i have a few other quick ones um first of all in the second brandy episode i claim that i'm 43 years old and i'm 42 <laughs> years old i literally don't know how old i am i, mean, I was listening back i like, love what like sometimes i do listen back and i'm like what what like i have no recollection of saying this thing that's just well like, that's what i was saying about false. the cats revival like i remember oh, yeah. the cats revival and i was like i've never heard of that i'm like what do oh, we, of God. course you do but i also anyway. have had this thing since like for the last like 15 years where i legitimately think i'm one year older than i am i don't know if it's like some sort of like subconscious tactic or something but well maybe yeah. you decided at one point to pretend it yeah so maybe you'd always be lovely you know yeah there'd be, be a like, lovely oh, surprise really? it was a lovely yeah. surprise yeah. when i listened back yeah. and i was like oh wow <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of still alice anyway um on the same front i like authoritatively educated educated both of you about the ring cycle and mentioned that it was three parts <laughs> which it like most certainly isn't like as soon as i listened back i was like it's four parts and i've worked in opera for like 17 years uh it's das rheingold die valkyrie siegfried and gucci dambaroon and so we saw the second one but again i was like what well anyway um that's that's crazy <laughs> two other quickies okay uh we talked about love changes everything quite a bit because it's pretty much the only thing to talk about with regard with, to aspects with, with of your, love. Yeah, right. And right. we uh, talked about Broadway leading Broadway's leading ladies that that trio clip, and we inserted a little ice, a sneaky inserted uh, an audio clip. But we all mentioned said, "Oh, that's Marin Mazzi. That's Marin Mazzi. That's Marin Mazzi." No, it was Audra, your beloved Audra, <sighs> that sang the actual "Love Changes Everything" part. Marin sang the unexpected song piece, which oh. is from Song and Dance. I have never felt like right. this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Wait, Judy, who is, is Song and Dance? Andrew Lloyd Webber, yeah. This was oh, like an Andrew Lloyd Webber medley is what it was. Right, and right, then right, Judy right. Kuhn sang, I don't know how to love him. And then the three right. of them come in together and we play right. like the uh, the end. So I got some sick satisfaction out of it. It was actually Audra. So. Oh, that's <laughs> why I don't like that song. Right. <laughs> uh, last rewind. Uh, okay. Daisy Egan. We were like, Oh, uh, I want to know more about Secret her. Garden. The Secret Garden, who played Mary, 11 years old, Youngest won a Tony. female Tony mm -hmm. winner. Yeah, I was just looking up other credits uh, post-Secret Garden. She appeared in the Blank Theater Company's production of The Wild Party in 2005. Uh, this was the Michael John Lacusa, The Wild Party, not to be confused. With, oh, I'm uh, so Andrew happy Lippa. that you pronounced Lacusa because oh, I... Really? We're going to have a yeah. Lachanzi moment on that one yeah. too. Yeah, I was La going Chiusa to. Yeah. or something. Yeah. Uh, Michael John Lacusa. Uh, anyway, so she was in the wild, uh, L.A. version of The Wild Party in 2005 as the street waif and was the recipient of the 2005 L.A. Weekly Theater Award for Best Supporting Actress in a Musical. Um, she also appeared in the Manhattan Concert Productions 
presentation of The Secret Garden at David Geffen Hall in February 2016 as the housemaid Martha. I believe we actually mentioned that. She's the one that sings the sort of 11th hour hold on number that we were talking about. Uh, she reprised her role as Martha in 2016 for the Shakespeare Theater Companies in Washington, D.C. Uh, that production then moved to 20. Uh, moved in 2017 to the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle. Uh, that ah, was most of I've been I to that find. place. Oh, really? I've been to that theater. Yeah, oh. it's a massive. Wow, I've only been I've only theater. been to Seattle once, but uh, quite enjoyed it, and would love to go back when <laughs> travel is like a thing. Hopefully, sooner than later. Do you know what? I think I saw a Janis Joplin musical at that really? theater in Seattle. Yes. Was it that one, that jukebox one that ended up coming to Broadway? Yes. That we had sort of I forgot about when was. we were talking about Love Janis? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was like okay. a night with Janis or whatever. We talked about it. We talked about it. Oh, wait. It. I want to say something about Daisy Egan oh, okay. that, I, that I found out, which, yeah. I, which I, sorry, I got I got distracted by the Seattle theater, by the Fifth Avenue Theater. Um those theaters in those cities, by mm-hmm. the way, which I got to see you know, a good handful of them because of the Blue Man group tour. Yeah. Man, some of those theaters are not only amazing, yeah. but they are enormous. Oh, cavernous. Some of those touring houses. Oh, yeah. I, they make I mean, I had, as a child, you know, I, you, you and Brandy mm-hmm. and so many people had, had seen like major touring productions yeah. when you were growing up. I didn't. We were, we were so far away from things, mm-hmm. you know, and, and at that time, I don't even know if Wichita really had one. I mean, you know, mm. I mean, Kansas and, and, and the <laughs> Oklahoma area are, are pretty, I mean, at least at that time. Um, so when I got to wasteland. see some of those theater, cultural <laughs> wasteland, yes, armpit of America. But those, but those theaters, I mean, that Seattle theater, fuck, Ugh. it was enormous and beautiful. By the way, we just, anyway. lo- we just lost some listeners in Oklahoma. Yeah. Oh, we had We're so many. We're going to have to retract that. I'm sorry, Oklahoma. <laughs> sorry I for really am. I grew up there. I grew up there. But yeah, no, clearly those um, theaters were meant to like like get as many people to see yeah. touring productions as quickly exactly. as possible. And just get you know exactly. make, make exactly. some make some dinero and then off to the next city. Um so Daisy Egan attended Bard, but okay. she graduated from Antioch in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. uh, Antioch actually has campuses in I was several like, places, including Seattle. That because I looked into didn't uh, connect program it to like there. West Coast. Hmm. Uh, so she got a Bachelor of Arts in okay. Psychology and Creative Writing. Okay. Um, she was married oh. and divorced. Oh, okay. And then she has a child. Yeah. With his father, <laughs> she has a child with his father oh, with the child's father. Funny. That is, I mean, I mean, his him. name is Kurt Bloom. Okay. Uh, oh, and she married him in 2020. Oh. oh my gosh, that oh, that's sweet. They they had a pandemic wedding. When in um, 2020? I wonder. I mean, May sixth. Oh, um, so it was they probably did. already planned. Yeah, I bet, yeah, yeah, most likely. But this is the this is the part that's that's really fascinating. Hmm. She first came out as gay to her parents when she was 12. Which I think Brandy and, mentioned that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, she did. Yeah, Brandy mentioned that. Oh, okay. And she currently identifies as queer Polly mm-hmm. and is also in a relationship with a guy named Ryan Halsother. I don't know how well. to pronounce it. Who is also polyamorous and non-binary. Well. So 
Yeah. There you go. There you go. I mean, that's that's pretty fascinating. It is fascinating. Um, I mean, I need her. to look her up because I, I, even though I think I did see mm. her in that um, that one night uh, fundraising production yeah. at uh, Lucille Lortel Theater that uh, Phila Corso's uh, company put up, I don't remember mm. her. I want to hang well. out with Daisy Egan. Can we, like, you know, con her yeah. into, like, doing our next dog and pony show or something? Well, let's just ask her to do the podcast. Yeah, maybe. She might. Who no. knows? You never know. Um, wait, are you done? I'm done. Yeah. Okay. I have a couple, just a couple of quick things. Okay. Uh, well, actually, one of them isn't that quick, but, but most of them are quick. So this is something that I found, um, you know, when I, I, I have my phone at all times, of course, as we all do, because I also love to take notes on things and mm. quotes from people and, you know, maybe little snippets of things that I want to write. Um, I was looking for something. I think I was actually looking for a possible bridge to use on this lyric that I'm going to send you shortly. Um, and I found <laughs> this little thing that I had written down that I overheard at girl from North country. Oh, so like, during like intermission an audience member or something. Yeah. Okay. So during intermission, I th- I'm pretty sure that John and I stayed in our seats. <laughs> and so the woman said, it's good, right? <laughs> the man says, no. Oh, do you want to go? No. Do you? The woman says no. And the man says, I'm just waiting for something to happen. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, and it never did. It never did. And it never did. (laughs) Uh, That was on October. I actually wrote the date. So that was October 13th of 2018 wow. that we saw a girl from Wait, North and that was at the, the public, the public right okay at the public, i wonder if yeah. it's the same theater where i saw uh, uh joan joan of arc or something <laughs> is it, it the pretty the, big one that's like a, a pretty yeah. a pretty sizable proscenium yeah. stage yeah. Yeah. so most likely so yeah, probably most likely. the same one um, um, okay, the funny. chicken fillet roll. Mm. Um, remember, we talked about yeah, the chicken we did fillet roll. Like, God, when was that? Like years ago at this point, practically. Yeah. Um, do I Maybe have? It's when we were talking about uh, hangover food. Soak up the soak roll. up the booze food. Uh, so it th- this is there's a whole this this article by the way is from Dublin Live oh. and Busy sent it okay. to me. So this um, is like straight from the source. This is straight from the source. <laughs> what goes into the perfect chicken fillet roll? The biggest surprise was that spicy chicken fillets are more than twice as popular as plain ones. Oh, I believe with it. 70.9% of respondents saying they prefer a bit of heat <laughs> and they say Irish people only like bland <laughs> food, which I thought was a was amusing. Um butter is 49.4% Leaps ahead of every other sauce that people want on oh, a chicken you mean fillet like how roll. Like what to top so, it with? Butter. They put butter on it. Oh, yeah. Well, that'll do the yeah. trick. Get some fat. Um. Yeah. I mean, just you know. And then, as as she pointed out, the taco sauce was extremely that was also extremely popular, mm-hmm. and that was at twenty seven point three percent. Of the vote, I, I still I would, don't know no. exactly what's in the taco sauce. I think sauce. I would so do I, the taco sauce, but I want to know what's in the taco sauce. I know, I know, I know, I know. So and and oh, the other thing that was that was amusing is that cheese was surprisingly popular. They they kept presenting these things as like they were 
unexpected, but of course like, in America, of course of cheese course. would be on it. And Americans um, are like, but how do butter I make this not, more disgusting? Like, what else we can would I put not, on it? We would not, no. I don't think butter would be on there. No. Butter was the first no. thing. No. Um, the spicy anyway. thing doesn't surprise me because I'm like, I would, I would like to know some statistics on Wendy's, but I can assure you on the very rare occasion that I go to Wendy's, uh, I get the spicy chicken combo. Yeah. Well, sure, but I like I said, I think that's more American in my mm. mind. Oh yeah, uh, that is your point. Yeah. So then, just um, like cracking open a potato. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. The other big thing was the Michael Jackson musical. Oh. So this is a little <laughs> bit. There's a lot of stuff. Okay. So, so Lynn Nottage, who as as we have pointed out, is a two time Pulitzer mm-hmm. Prize winner. Um, I'm sure she also won the tony for at least one of those plays ruined and sweat were both on broadway um they're both really in in incredible pieces of work i have unfortunately didn't see either of them but i did read them both um sweat also was really i i read that pretty recently and it, you know it's about the midwest it's about sort of the collapse of of um i never uh, saw it i haven't even read it i need to educate well, myself well it's 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 a you know it's about the loss of factories mm-hmm. and, and yeah. the devastation of these of yeah. these rural communities, um, and it's and so it they they uh, I believe the public actually launched this tour, so it went to some of these places. Oh, really? Which That's don't amazing. Normally, yeah, which don't normally get theater, yeah, especially plays. Yeah. They get yeah. like you said, they get. You know, big yeah, Broadway like, shows or something yeah, that's going like to appeal a, to a ton of people, not, like a, not a Pulitzer play. Prize winning yeah. sort of thought play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was really, really cool. But so she did an interview with the Daily Mail back in April of 2019. So this is not that long ago. Mm-hmm. So and 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 when she did this, it caused a ruckus. So she, this is of course <laughs> after H- HBO documentary Leaving Neverland had come out. Yeah. Um, it says playwright Lynn Nottage, winner of two Pulitzer prizes for drama, told me Jackson was a genius but an immensely flawed human being. She also revealed that she believed the testimony given by Wade Robson and James Safechuck, mm. who were close to the singer in their preteen years in the I already in the in the for pre- previously Leaving mentioned documentary um of course we all know that uh oh nottage breaking her silence about jackson for the first time told me i think they were telling the truth so this is not an enormous article Hmm. um but it does talk about oh this is this talks to some of these things that we've been talking about um we discussed whether you should continue watching or playing an artist's work Mm -hmm. once something Mm -hmm. unsavory had been uncovered yeah She said, my life tracks with Michael Jackson musically. The very first album I owned was ABC, and I thought, can I never listen to that album again? Off the Wall is an album that I absolutely adore. Can I no longer listen to that? It means erasing my cultural DNA. Nottage observed that if you stop listening to Michael Jackson because of his predatory behavior towards children, then you stop listening to Elvis Presley and Jerry Lee Hmm. Lewis. Yeah. Um, Wow. I mean, this keeps coming up. And like, you know, just this week, it's like the two Dr. Seuss books and every, you know, uproar and two different sides, you know, fighting with each other on that question. And it's like it does. Well, it's not two Dr. Seuss books. It's six Dr. Seuss books. But the Dr. Seuss Foundation, I'm yeah. sure you know this, oh, no, I 100% had made this, this decision. Yeah, the estate, like, yeah, made the years, decision. Like a year ago totally, or more. Totally. And then, of course, because... <laughs> 
con- controversy sells, they decided to yeah. jump into the fray, and now the books are flying off the shelves and making people rich. Oh, yeah, I saw I like mean, it's some of them so were like going fucking, for like a hundred thousand yes. dollars on like eBay yes. and shit because they <laughs> believe that the that that you know the books are being banned. The oh, books are boy. not being banned. They're not yeah. being burned. They're just not going to publish them anymore because they're offensive. Yeah, I hate anyway. People. Anyway. Coming back to Michael Jackson. Uh, this is, was Jackson trying to tell us about his troubles through his music? The the interviewer <laughs> asks. I actually read the lyrics of his songs in ways that people, when they're dancing, aren't listening to. And you realize that he was working out his angst and pain through his music. You hear his struggle. Michael Jackson was an incredibly self-destructive <laughs> human being. He destroyed himself not just on the inside, but on the outside, Nottage said, referring to the star's constant tampering with his pigmentation and the many times he went under the scalpel to alter his facial <laughs> features, particularly his nose. He wanted to disappear and he was telling us that well needless to say this interview was not received well because <laughs> it was by, by pretty much anyone other than yeah. people who are in the you in know, the camp yeah. in the camp like, of, nothing you can say or do that's gonna like persuade correct. these people correct yeah. so then they so she and um sorry what is his the oh my gosh sounds of frantic uh Clicking of mouse. Wielden. And, uh, Wielden. Christopher Wielden. Yeah. Sorry. The music, uh, joined by the musical's director and choreographer, Christopher Wielden. They sat down for the New York Times a mere five days later because that's how that that was the heat that poor Lynn Nottage was getting after stating her opinions about um, Chuck some Mr. gasoline Jackson. on a fire. Yeah. To try to. Um, uh, it said when the documentary the 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 uh, writer sorry mm-hmm. this is from Michael Paulson is the is the um, writer of this article when the documentary came out did you think about withdrawing from this project and Wielden says I don't think we did <laughs> this is obviously challenging it makes this not without its complications for sure but part of what we do as artists is we respond to complexity. <laughs> And then uh, Nottage follows up with all of the emotions that I was feeling were very complicated. And I think a lot of people out there are processing and mm. dealing with those same emotions. I see the artwork that we're making as a way to more deeply understand Michael Jackson and process feelings. And ultimately, that's what theater can do. I mean, so, sure. But like, you can't tell me that like what this ultimately was going to be was like high art. I mean, they're making a jukebox musical. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but of course, because of the like caliber of the yeah. of the team, team. I yeah. think she says repeatedly through this that that they're going that their their objective is to really. Of course, we all. Every time it's done, people say this. They're going to turn the jukebox musical yeah, on its I mean, head. They're, they're not. not, it's not I mean, they're gonna trying be... to sell tickets to a jukebox musical. Sure. It's not going to end up being like a think piece. <laughs> but the, the 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 big quote that comes away from this, mm-hmm. which is the sort of headline on the the Wikipedia or the the Google search, I guess, um, uh, is "I'm not judge and jury, and it's not my place to do that." Mm. So that is how. 
Miss Nottage has sort of backed out of some of the earlier. She she didn't you know she didn't negate what she yeah. said, which I appreciate. Yeah. She didn't apologize for it, mm-hmm. um, which I also appreciate because I think people too quickly do that, which is you know puts us in this this culture that we're currently living in. Yeah. Um, which is you say something that anybody's upset about and you have to apologize, yeah. which is fucking ridiculous. We all fucking fuck up all the time. My God, think about how many times we fucked up on yeah, this podcast. We do. The only benefit is that nobody listens to it. Yeah. And so we don't get in trouble. Right. Um, but anyway, that is my. Oh, and I, I have one more. Sorry, I do have one more rewind. So that's do you have anything to, to, to add about Michael Jackson? I don't think so. I don't want to get any more trouble. <laughs> I want to see. I really I have to say I want to see this musical oh, I don't because think I, 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 I don't think I could go really fascinated yeah. by how they approach it and yeah. what it ends up being. Yeah. Even if it's a I mean, I it's. You know, because she's such a fucking great writer, it's hard to mm. me, for me to imagine it's that a train wreck. It, right. But then you also have so many people involved in what the ultimate product is. So that's the part that is, you know, it's yeah. impossible to guess. I mean, um, okay. I'll have to go back Last, and read some Michael Jackson lyrics and see if I miss something with, you know, don't stop till you get enough. Well, are you wa- <laughs> are you watching the Allen versus Pharaoh thing? No. Oh, you need to watch I've the been too busy, like, thing. ugly crying over It's a Sin this week. But, oh, but yeah, Jesus. I'll cue it up. Sorry, you had one more. You had one more. Yes, Here I had one. one more, which is a, a follow-up on Brandy. We had, this, <laughs> we had this discussion, like, on four different occasions, I think, during Flight, during mm-hmm. Joe's Pub Show, maybe, during Brandy's solo show that she did, how old her children were and when they were born. <laughs> Just listening back, like, why was this such a major point of confusion um, for us? Uh, Henry was born in 2006, yeah. uh, which was obviously he was very much alive and three years old when we did the play Flight. Um, which I completely was born thought you were wrong, too. I was like, oh, of course I did she too. was pregnant with Henry. I thought she, I know, it just didn't seem to make, it didn't well, I think seem we were at sensical, and made her, uh, yeah, and then she questioned, exactly, sometimes. and then she I'm was like, like oh, you're am, right. Am I wrong? Am I, yeah, it's yeah. It's making me rethink everything. And, <laughs> and then Stella was born in 2009, which is yeah. when the play happened, yeah. but she was, the play was in August, and she, Stella, I think was born in November, if I'm remembering correctly, and she really wasn't showing no. in, yeah. in August, so, um, and then two more things, two more quick things. Uh, the woman who painted the poster for the documentary actress was Laura Barron. Okay. And we were just musing also on the small world that we live in because uh, musician Joe Therian, who had played with us several times that Brandy met through Jimbery, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, is also a puppeteer, a, a master puppeteer. Yeah, I believe he has a, a master's degree yep. in puppeteering and, and works, uh, makes amazing work. Um, he dated her before, like long ago, before, I think before she painted this i'm not 100 percent positive but uh and then finally um we we spoke about justin vivian bond briefly when we were talking about the joe's pub show but didn't really give context for v being a part of the show v was a part of the show saying two songs in the joe's pub show and when v spoke to brandy was speaking about tilda swinton mm-hmm. which we never actually said and Tilda's basically saying people that, probably yeah. know because there's not a a lot of people named Tilda, but who knows? You never know. But I'm like, that's that's something to take to your grave, Brandy. Is that uh, yes. V told you 
<laughs> yes. That you yes. could take all of Tilda's work. <laughs> and, and you know, just what a fucking amazing experience oh my it was God. to have like, Justin Bond. Highlight singing, of um, my yeah. life. At the yeah, time, I basically so. told you it was like the equivalent of, you know, I don't know, having like Madonna do my show. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was that it level was, of surreal and amazing. So It was amazing. Um, all right. Till next time. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.